0: Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program that takes you inside NRG Stadium very often into the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm Mark Vandermeer with John Harris. It's great to have you listening to Texans All Access. And, Johnny, here we go into the weekend football Friday. You know, it's the off season, but it's never far away, is it? Because it's less than three weeks now that we hit the Ooh. NFL draft. In fact, three weeks from tonight, we're going to be doing the Friday night show from right here in this building – Unless we do it from six ten, and we'll decide that later. But we're going to be doing the coverage of the draft. Right. Friday night, rounds two and three. Saturday, we've got the rest of it. We'll have Nick Casario on after the draft. Thursday night, we'll be at Miller Outdoor Theater and do round one. We'll get the picks on as they are selected on the air, right here, right where you're listening, right now, whether it's on the Texans app, the Odyssey app, whatever app you're listening to, and of course,
1: over the air on Sports Radio six ten. Great to see you. It is. Great to see you too, Mark. I My favorite of the three nights is Friday. Friday's my favorite night mm. because you have, obviously, Thursday night with 32 first-round picks most years, unless the Patriots have gotten in trouble. You have 32 picks. And invariably, you look at those 32 and you go, okay, how most of these guys could see that coming. There were a couple surprises that fell into the second round. Okay, Now let's start to look at how the second day is going to unfold. I think the second day is is really exciting. And the fact that Texans have 37, 67, and 80 I think right now with the potential of doing some things in the first round could open up some some more things on Friday. Friday is always my favorite night. Now, for the last few years, it had to be our favorite night because we weren't picking on Thursday. Yeah, (laughs) we would finally get a pick on Friday. Uh, And then last year, of course, we got thrown a little bit of a curveball because I don't think anybody really saw Davis Mills coming. We're really glad that he did uh, and that he's here and that he has been working out at Greater Atlanta Christian, his high school. His high school filmed his workout with some of the guys down there in Atlanta. That was kind of cool to see. But I love Friday night. Friday night, three weeks from tonight. Not that I don't love the first round, especially this year because we have picks 3-13, and but I love the second round i love the third round. I'd love to see which guys get into that second, third round that maybe I didn't see coming or maybe fell out of the first round. You know, the DK Metcalf types where DK was thought to go in the first round and, oh, he had a slow three-cone time. People kind of browbeat him for that. And then all of a sudden Seattle's like, no, we'll take him. We're good. We're right here at 64. We'll take him. And then he turns into a star within the first couple of years. So there's always those fun things that happen uh, in the second round and sometimes in the third round as well
0: so many surprises uh let's start here though you did a daily brew which is available on the texans app and houstontexans.com on teams with what was it multiple first round draft choices now look the texans don't find themselves in this situation very often shall i say in fact i go back to 2004 when jason babin was drafted late in the first round because hey see the coaches really wanted them, so uh, we moved up. See, and we traded. They traded with the Tennessee Titans to make that happen, and wow. the Titans got a
1: boatload
0: of selections
1: for that. Before we get into uh, the piece that did, yeah, I can't remember where I saw this. Mm-hmm. Are you totally and a thousand percent against making draft day deals with the Titans, the Colts, the Jags?
0: For picks, especially later on, not so much. Right. Anything involving a first-round pick, like if I were them, I think I probably still would have done it, considering what the Texans gave up to move into the first round late and get Babin after they already took Dante Robinson with their first first first-round pick. And that was obviously a draft-day deal. And that was back when the draft was on Saturday, and you had rounds one, two, and three on Saturday. And it was very weird compared to what we have now. We've gotten so used to what we have now. I remember when what we have now was proposed, and I thought, that's going to be bizarre, three days. Now, it is a long haul. There's no doubt about it. No one knows this more than you, who – yeah, You do every hour of draft coverage we have, plus all the digital shows and the articles and the specials and everything else. But, Johnny, I'm against it. I don't like dealing with teams in my division. The Dolphins once upon a time traded Wes Welker yep. to the New England Patriots. Right. Well, that worked out great for the Dolphins, did it? Now, I don't know who they got with their second-round pick, and they also got a seventh in the deal. Right. But Welker had a near Hall of Fame run mm-hmm. with the New England Patriots and clearly helped them continue to dominate that division. Not that Welker's Randy Moss, but, hey, he was a big part of their success for a long time. I'm not doing deals with the division. Those are the Hatfields and McCoys in your division. You don't do that. How do I ro- you feel?
1: Ironically, Babbin ended up going to the Pro Bowl with the Titans. Yeah, I know. And I know with crazy the team. To think about. That, the team that uh, eventually traded that pick, he goes to the Pro Bowl with them. We can look back and chuckle, but those were not fun years. Uh for Jason Babbitt here in Houston. He finally saw the light in Tennessee, unfortunately. Um had a couple of good years of Pro Bowl year, maybe two Pro Bowl years. Either way, I don't have a problem, I think, with draft picks in the in the uh in the trades. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I have an issue. I think somebody was posing a thought, could Indianapolis trade up to number three? Like Indianapolis calls you with some bang-up deal for number three. That was
0: going around Twitter. Yeah,
1: and to come up and get Malik Willis potentially or get a quarterback, presumably Malik Willis. And that one's kind of dicey because you're kind of handing them Malik Willis on a platter. Now they're giving you enough picks in return. I would have a much – I think I would have a much easier time with that than trading Deshaun Watson in the division as was – uh, thrown out there by a few, and I'm sure the Indianapolis Colts would have done it if they had some of the ammunition. They would have wanted to do it. So from that perspective, um, I don't know if I have too big an issue with draft picks. Like, okay, if they're going to trade a multiple picks to get into a certain spot and then go pick a player, if I wasn't really thinking about Malik Willis in the first place, then eh. So, you know, who cares? If it's a player that I had earmarked that I really would have liked and I feel like I could get him a few picks later and then the Colts come and get him, ah, I might feel a little bit. But I don't. I really don't have a problem trading in a division, to be wait, honest. Wait, wait, wait. So Draft y-
0: picks in a division. You'd be okay trading the third if you got a haul for it to yes. the Colts yes. even knowing that they're going to take Malik Willis. Yes.
1: I'll take my chances. I, Cor- I'll take my chances. I don't like it. I'll take my chances. I'm going like to get it. more at bats. I'm going to get a bunch of picks. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Because they have to trade into the first round. So I'm going to get probably a first next year. I'm probably going to get a second, a couple seconds. I'm going to get a lot. I'm doing it. I'm going to let them ride the Malik Willis wave. And I'm gonna soak it in with all these graphics right, they're giving me. Let me throw this at. you. Because what if what if that doesn't work out for them? Well, that's great. But what if it
0: does, Johnny? What if Willis turns out to be Mahomes? Were well, we gonna draft Willis at three anyways? No. Okay. But, but what, then I don't have. Then I don't have But if he turns it. out to be Mahomes, he's living in my division for years. I'm haunted by the Colts forever well, then, with all those flames, with
1: all those draft picks that you get then you formulate a uh, defense to stop the 2022 version of Patrick Mahomes. I see I think that you have to it's
0: not just who you need for you if you have a chance to affect them you well, do yeah. it. If they want to move up and get Willis, it's just like it is just like when Randolph and Mortimer were at the commodities exchange, and they had the Clarence Beeks report. Yeah, and somebody said the Dukes—they know something. What if the Colts know something? The Colts know that Willis is going to be great. They're on to something, right? How do they? How do they know it? Any know. More there's than we, there, there's no know. inside information they could yeah. get to to indicate. I get your, po- Unless I get your point. Unless they have a psychic, Miss Cleo comes along. A uh, draft expert and says uh, Malik Willis is going to be better than Patrick Mahomes. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there, and they've got this incredible quarterback. And no matter how good you are, they always seem to get over it. No. And that happens anyway, whether they have Jacoby Brissett, Hasselbeck in a diaper, need I go on, I'm not giving the Colts anything. You know, when the Texans traded to get Babin, it was the 27th pick in the first round of 2004. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to hear what they gave up? Are you ready to hear this? I I I know this is this a is. two, a three, a four, and they swapped fifths. A two, a three, a four, and they swapped fifths. Okay, so where was Tennessee? They were out of the first round. So they well, wait a minute. You know, no, 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 Tennessee. they were twenty seventh. Twenty seventh.
1: Okay. So the Texans gave up their second, which was what overall? I don't remember, I don't have
0: it here, but it was they were coming off of a five and eleven season, Johnny. So, so it basically,
1: pick. it was like thirty.
0: I think it was tenth or something yeah. in the first round.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they were so they were probably thirty-seven, thirty-eight. So they essentially mm-hmm. swapped those picks. Yeah, and to do that, a third, a fourth, and a fifth round swap. Yeah. Huh, man.
0: That, that's a lot of draft capital. It's a lot of draft so capital. So basically, basically a two, three, and a four. Yeah. To move up to the twenty-seventh. Yep. From relatively early in the second, you could have conceivably gotten Babin anyway, yeah. where you were. But you traded all that because I want to say one of the coaches stood on a table for Babin, and I can't I remember could, who I it could was. I see that. But he finally
1: got going Dude, later in his career. numbers uh, in college were unbelievable at Western Michigan. Oh my God, they were incredible. Yeah. You watched him and you thought this guy, who twenty-seven yeah. wasn't a was in a horrible spot for him. I thought he, if I remember correctly, I thought he was going to beat early in the second round. So I thought it was, I thought it was not a bad spot for him. And again, to you know, Nick Casario said this a, a few times to us. There's a particular player a team is targeting when they're trading up. And to the point about the Colts, who would the Colts be targeting if the Texans made that deal to number three? I'm just telling you, if the Colts just started throwing in, you know, second rounder, third rounder, fourth rounder, blue, <laughs> you know, St. Elmo's gift cards, prime 47, uh, you know, nights of of fancy and steak and all that kind of stuff. Unlimited cocktail sauce. I would have to think about it. All right. I would I would have to think about it. I would have to think about it. Now, the Texans sit right now with two first round picks. Mark, how many teams in this year's draft have two first round picks? Oh, it's a lot. What is it, like five or
0: six or eight or something? Eight. All right. Eight. Eight. I named it three numbers, so I was bound to get one
1: right. If this if that sounds odd, Mm you hear eight. You're like one fourth 25% – Twenty five percent, I can do that math. Twenty five percent of the league has the has uh sixteen picks. Do you have the teams there? Or yeah. No? All right. What's the best team that has multiple first round draft choices? Well, the Packers have two at twenty two and twenty eight. All right. And the Chiefs have two at twenty nine and thirty. All right. So those are they're in there. Right. But it's, there's a difference. It's kind of like what sure. Bill O'Brien
0: said about later first-round draft choice, right. not as valuable. We get that right. because there's the NFL lottery pick equivalent of top 15, 13, right. however you want to define that. Right. I get that too. But it's still a multiple first-round situation for those two teams.
1: Now, the Lions have the bread of the sandwich. They have 2 and 32. Oh. The Eagles and Saints are the meat. The Eagles have 15 and 18. Saints have 16 and 19. Giants have the bacon. But the three teams to keep an eye on. The Texans at 3 and 13, the Jets at 4 and 10, the Giants at 5 and 7. 5 and 7. Now, I thought that was odd. Like how many times have teams had picks inside the top 13? Mm. You have to go all the way back to 2018. The Browns at 1 took Baker Mayfield. And then at number 4 with somebody's pick that we all remember. Oh boy. They took Denzel Ward, cornerback. Gosh. That's the it? last that's the last time that a team has drafted twice in the first round in the top 13. Now last year there were four teams. There were four teams and I did this exercise to kind of come away with thinking, all right, how do these teams feel? They had two first round picks. That's a lot of draft capital, right? And right. I know you can't assess everything after a year. But you kind of have a you kind of have a read on okay, how how did we do with those two first pick those two picks? Now the Jets had two in the top 14. They took Zach Wilson from BYU, the quarterback, still work in progress. But they took Elijah Vera Tucker at 14. In fact, they moved up to go get him, and from USC, he started 16 games at guard, was very very good. The Miami Dolphins may have been the best at sixth overall. They took Jalen Waddell. NFL rookie record, 104 receptions, franchise record, 1,015 uh, receiving yards Looks for great. a rookie, six Looks touchdowns. Yeah. Jalen Phillips on the edge. Started just five games, but he had eight and a half sacks. Hmm. So the Dolphins at 6-18 and 18 did a pretty good job. Now the Jags drafted Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. On the surface, that was kind of a disaster. Is Etienne going to be okay this year? I don't know. Remains to be That's seen. That's big. And the Ravens, I think the jury's a little bit out, but you could see the arrow going up. They took Rashad Bateman at 27, and he, had they had 46 catches. He only played 12 games. And then they had Odafe Owe from Penn State, who was a major project, but took him at 31st overall. He had five sacks, didn't start. He had five sacks, 15 quarterback hits. So you could say the Ravens and the Dolphins could feel pretty good. The Jets felt pretty good. I think if Wilson turns it around second year, they'll feel pretty good. The Jags, eh, there were so many problems with them last year. But I think this exercise told me one main thing, and that is if you have a couple of at-bats, you're gonna you're gonna hit one, especially at three and thirteen. Yeah, you're gonna hit like one of them's gonna be a hit. Like Jets AVT is a hit. I think Waddle and Phillips are both hits in Miami. I think Trevor's gonna be a hit. I have no idea with ATN coming off the injury, but I think Bateman and Owe, they were a little higher than I had them going in the first round, but you could see the upside with both of them, and I think both of them are sh- showing. Hey, they they've got something, and they got those two at twenty seven and thirty one. So I think with multiple opportunities I think you're going to you've got the opportunity at least with one of them
0: like you said at bats
1: yeah at you're bats. you're going to hit you're going to smoke a double in the gap yeah
0: and keep that article as a reference point because you know this is going to come up yep. if the Texans have a situation where you know only one of the two of the top 13 works out the way you want it to. It's possible that whoever you pick third is not going to be as good as whoever you pick 13th. I mean, come on. That's entirely possible. And it happens all the time, like you point out here. But, man, oh, man, it would be good to get them both right. Yes. And – oh. Let's talk about the rest of second day, top of the third day of the draft with those two fourth-round selections, which we think they're going to trade maybe one of them, but we don't know. We're just speculating. It's all speculation. It's the draft. We've had weeks and weeks of this, but it's never been this exciting because, well, if you're going for a quarterback, it could be maybe more exciting for the fans, but it's so comforting to know that you have a quarterback that you like for at least this year to see what he's got and move on from there. And if he doesn't work out this year, you've got two ones next to you. You have two ones the year after that. You've got a lot of at-bats to get a quarterback if you need to do it. You brought up the Davis Mills workout stuff. I texted you the video, and Mm -hmm. I said, I said, Mills Pro Day footage. (laughs) Because that's what it looked like. It looked like a pro day. You know, everything's all set. But, you know, look, it – I was evaluating Mills, like stepping around and like, oh, footwork looks good. The release and everything. I'm thinking, wait, we've got actual game footage on him. Like beating (laughs) NFL teams. We don't need this. But I'm looking at it like I would look at pro day footage. Yeah. And you see the difference between what he's doing and pro day footage. If the pro day footage if the guys putting out pro day footage did stuff like that a little bit more and displayed the footwork the way he did, yeah. it would help them a little bit more. Because Mills is clearly at another level right now. Yeah. Having played in the league for a year, yeah. this is hardly breaking news. But you can see it in that workout video. Yeah. The kinds of things he's focusing on. What he's sort of seeing in his mind, here's the pass rush. I'm wiggling out of the wiggling, Not a word he would use, probably. I'm maneuvering out of the way. Good word. I am hitting a guy downfield. I'm hitting him on the sideline, whoever it may be. I like the footage a lot.
1: If you go back to last year, Friday night, and Davis Mills is drafted, and of course it just kind of oh man, what are we thinking? What is everybody thinking? And the 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 immediate thought came to my mind at that moment that Davis had another year and had he gone back, knowing where he was going at the end of twenty twenty, and that was during a COVID that was during the COVID year. Yeah. They were on the road the entire time man, had he gone back in a class that was coming. And I, I know the class that's coming. I know – usually quarterbacks, I know the class is a few years out. Yeah. So I know what's coming in 2023. I even know the Jackson Darts and Caleb Williams is of the world that's, that are coming in 2024, at least for the quarterback position. I kind of keep a, a high – kind of a 30,000-foot view on that. So I knew what was coming in 2022. And I said, this may be as good as a futures pick. Because essentially what you're getting is Davis Mills' senior year in the NFL. So to your point about him moving around and maneuvering and how he looks, the game speed went up for him, obviously, very, very quickly. And it was hard for him to handle. But when he got back in, he knew he had to take his game speed up. His processing had to go up. Those things had to all get to a point where – He's processing so fast that the game seems slower, and it started to for the last five to six games. But I remember saying that draft night had Davis Mills gone back to Stanford, had the year that I thought he would have had following a 2020 solid close, strong close to 2020 season, he would have been a top 15 pick. And it's sort of, I don't want to say it's sort of working out that way, but if Davis Mills were in this draft and he were not in Houston, now. The Texans, and and this would be a question I'd like to ask Nick Casario, that if the Deshaun Watson trade would have happened last year, Mm -hmm. one of these two picks presumably would have been a quarterback, I would think. Would it have been Mac Jones? Would it have been Trey Lance? I mean, you're sitting at three – would it have been one of the you know that quarterback would have been your guy, and then you're going forward? Or with that. do you
0: drop down and take Mills late in the first round,
1: top of the second, but, because you definitely but, want to have him? No, no. But Mills is not. Mills is oh, he's not saying. available. Oh, okay. he's not available. And you make that deal. Oh, maybe you're right. Mills would have been in that draft. You're right. No, no, no. You're right, Mark. That if Mills does come out, but you have the ammunition from the trade, do you do that? Do you if you get really like him? But better, out?
0: look, I don't know if we'll get that out of him.
1: I, don't, no, no, how, no. I how, don't think we would ever get that out of him. He would never. He would. I could see the look on his face if I were to ask him that right here yeah. sitting in this chair. He would look at me and give me that that look, and I'd it okay, would say. next question. Because he's not answering that. Johnny, I don't really deal with but that. But I would Theticals. love to have truth serum in him to know what they would have done had they had those multiple picks. Well, I'll Or th- would they have circled Davis Mills still, or would they have taken one of those first-round picks? Never going to know. I think, and knock on wood, it's working out. And hopefully it continues to work out that they got Davis Mills. They got a young quarterback with upside. They got him in the third round so they didn't have to spend a first round pick they didn't have. They could save the first round picks this year and put them on positions of need for this team, best player available at a position of need that you don't have to spend it on a quarterback in a draft in which the quarterbacks are eh, kind of hit or miss and you've got enough ammunition to if Davis doesn't hit down the road that you can look at quarterback as at well as well. I just feel like if Davis Mills had been in this draft. He would be QB one, and maybe I'm biased to that. I just feel like what I saw at Stanford, what I knew he could do coming back and playing for David Shaw on a full season, a relatively non-COVID season, I think he would have been. I think it's he would safe. have been the cat's meow, if you will, and been a top 15 pick. It's safe to say, as at, long as he at, stays at
0: healthy and everything else plays out the yes, way you expect ex- exactly. it to, uh, yeah. with David Shaw coaching that team and the system they run and all of that. All right, coming up, Johnny, you're going to tell me what you think these teams are thinking as they get ready for the 2022 campaign, most notably the draft. But I want to fast forward here to what we think they're going to be like coming up this season. And after that, DJ Fessler from SI.com talks with DP Sidhu about one of the prospects in the draft, George Karloftis. That and more on the way here on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris, keeping you company Friday evening, Friday night. Just got all right. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop there because that would really be bad if I continue to sing that song. <laughs> Montel <laughs> Owens, I want to say, is that it? Who sang that song? Now, Mark, I have
1: no idea. You, 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 I don't know.
0: Friday night just got paid. No, I remember the song. I just don't remember who sang it. No, Montel
1: Owens is a football player. <laughs> Montel Owens is a football player. I, I When you said Montel Owens, I was like, man, that sounds familiar. Montel so- Jordan.
0: Montel Jordan. Ah, yes. Okay. Sort of in the realm, but not quite there. Anyway, it's Friday night, and we're going to do this, Johnny. What these teams are thinking, according to you, how they're okay. feeling, what they're thinking going into the draft, going into the season. And I'm going to go with the AFC South squads, plus at least one. We'll see how we do here time-wise, because time is always a factor. So let's go. First one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What are they thinking? How are they feeling? They've got Trevor Lawrence going into year two. Obviously a new coaching staff. We mentioned ETN in the first segment. Is he coming back or not? What's it going to be like when he does come back? All of that. What they've added with that, Record amount of cap money generated with all those acquisitions, guaranteed money that they've added. So where are we at here with the Jacksonville Jaguars?
1: Well, I think if you're Doug Peterson, you're feeling pretty confident you're coming in. You don't you don't have um, you know, you've got the pelts on the wall you're you're that guy so you're going to come in and you're going to feel pretty good about laying down the foundation Mm -hmm. setting the culture all that kind of stuff that we talk about with new head coaches the guy who's holding the pressure is Trent Balky Trent Balky has Trent Balky has all the pressure right now uh, as the GM this is a huge draft for him they spent a lot of money in free agency he's feeling the pressure but I don't think Doug Peterson will I don't think Trevor Lawrence will I still think this is a relatively young team. You know, Josh Allen, the defensive end, Josh Allen, is still a young, explosive pass rusher. Uh, you know, Trevor's going into only his second year. I do think to keep an eye on the offensive line. I think losing Brandon Linder was was tough. He was a strong, solid player for them in the middle for a long time, and they're gonna they're gonna miss him, and they're gonna miss AJ Cannon. So they've got some replacements there, but I still feel like they're going to feel a little bit more confident Doug Peterson with Trevor Lawrence with Christian Kirk and uh, Marvin Jones and weapons and ETN comes back and James Robson comes back they're going to feel much much better they're going to feel like their offense can put up points on the board at a minimum and then they'll see where the defense is at that point but I think they're going to be feeling pretty confident going into the year because they are a young team there's not much to lose at this point they've And probably not going to get the number one overall pick next year and don't need it. They've got Trevor. So I think as long as Trevor is making those strides, they're going to feel like this season's a positive moving the right direction. All right,
0: let's go to the Tennessee Titans. Obviously Ryan Tannehill did not have a good game in the playoffs. The interceptions, what a concern. A lot of people thought, well, maybe they should go in another direction. That's only if they could have acquired an Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that. Obviously it didn't happen. And I think they have to feel pretty good about where they're at. They know they have a quarterback that is capable of getting them or helping them get the top seed in the AFC just like we saw last year. So let's see if he can do it again if you're the Tennessee Titans.
1: How do you think they're feeling going into the draft, going into the season? Nervous. I think it's a team that they step back and they've got a bunch of elite talent and a lot of spots. Jeffrey Simmons up front of the D-line, Harold Landry on the outside, um, uh, Kevin Bayard at safety, A.J. Brown at receiver. They've got a lot of wet. And of course, you know, the king at running back now coming back healthy. They've got a lot of elite talent across the board. Taylor Lou on a left tackle. So they feel confident in what talent they have. But then why is it not coming together? Why are they not going back to the AFC Championship game? Why are they not getting beyond the AFC Championship game? What is missing? I think Ryan Tannehill carries a lot of pressure coming into this year. A lot. And that's going to be telling because last year in some games, when he started feeling the pressure in individual games, our game, four interceptions, mm-hmm. the playoff game, three interceptions. When he internalized that pressure, it was tough for Tannehill and the Titans offense. And look, we didn't face Derrick Henry. I get it. Understood completely. But They had Deontay Foreman. They still had a solid and strong running game with Deontay Foreman and with Dontrell Hilliard. That wasn't the issue. The issue was Tannehill not coming up as big as he needed to consistently. Now, he made certain plays, like the play against us when Jacob Martin has him dead to rights on the sack and the game is completely changed. He gets out of that, throws it to Nick Westbrook-Akine, away you go. There was not enough of that. Because the biggest games the last couple of years Both playoff games, Ryan Tannehill didn't show up to play. Yeah. And that is going to put a lot of pressure on him. There's obviously going to be some pressure on uh, John Robinson and Mike Vrabel to get more out of this team. I think the Titans are carrying a ton of pressure coming in, not because they don't have the talent, but because at key positions, i.e. quarterback, do they have the right guy? Mike Vrabel is going to have to answer questions about that if Tannehill struggles. And he doesn't want to answer questions about that. And oh, by the way, this Mike Malarkey uh, podcast that dropped, well, dropped two years ago, but is now resurfacing now as it pertains to the coaching decision. That could also have an impact on John Robinson, who was the GM at the time. So, yeah, a lot of that is playing. I think the Titans carry a ton of pressure coming into this season. The draft, they're at a point where in the draft, they could just go find elite talent, best player available. Come on, let's go. I don't think a quarterback is going to be there for them where they're going to find uh, someone as a better option than Tannehill. so they're going to draft best player available at the spots they're drafting and add more elite talent so they're going to be fine that way it's just a matter of can they deal with the pressure of the big moment and that is going to be a massive issue i think for tennessee this year
0: well it is and i think that yeah, the health of derrick henry is just such a big concern you just have to hope that he if you're a titans fan and i'm not that he bounces back well i don't wish ill will on anybody i think he should take a year off johnny just yes, be sure year, please kind of like what i wanted andrew luck to do and he ended up retiring <laughs> so if i keep talking about this maybe henry will take a clue and just go ahead and retire that'd be really helpful to the cause for the rest of the afc south and speaking of the rest of the afc south The Indianapolis Colts, Johnny, how are they feeling? What are they thinking going into the draft, going into the season? They just acquired Matt Ryan. They feel pretty good about their football team. I know they're not perfect, but they feel like they're good to go. Wentz let them down. I think it was more than Wentz, but Wentz let them down those last couple of games, especially the one against the Jaguars last game of the season, and they were unable to close the deal. So what are they thinking?
1: That was a veteran team last year that started off the year awfully. They did not play well early in the season, and it cost them against Tennessee both times. I mean, that was the difference in the Colts not getting to the playoffs because they played so horribly against Tennessee. And you watch those teams straight up. I'm telling you, I thought the Colts at full strength were better than the Titans at full strength, even with Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. I just felt that last year with the Colts. But given the way the Wentz thing went down, bringing in Matt Ryan, another quarterback that's in his upper 30s, Later 30s, there's going to – Ryan's going to have some pressure, but then again, he's coming in somewhat fresh. But he's going to be thought of as, I don't want to say the savior, but a whole lot better than Carson Wentz. There are going to be a ton of expectations on him. And Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, for as good as those two are, Jim Ursay was not happy at all with how that season went down. Not at all. And in Ursay's eyes, it was Wentz. And where did the idea of Wentz come from? It came from Frank. And then Chris pulled the trigger on the trade. They're going to be carrying a lot of pressure. This is a seven Pro Bowl player team. Seven. And they didn't get to the playoffs. Now, I said earlier, Tennessee is going to be carrying a ton of pressure more than anybody else. I think Frank Reich and Chris Ballard have a ton of pressure on them this year to make sure that, A, this is a playoff team, and then, B, it's a playoff team that can go make some noise once they play in those games of January. If not, it could be a very interesting offseason in 2023 for the Colts.
0: Let's go out of conference and I'll even go off schedule here because the Texans played this team last year, but I find it intriguing the San Francisco 49ers who put in so much, they invested so much to get Trey Lance. This wasn't just a flyer end of the first round. Let's draft a quarterback just in case, or we really like him and we want him to take over for Jimmy G. They went all in on Trey Lance and Garoppolo's still there on their roster. A lot of talk about trade possibilities. But again, talk is talk and it's outside the building. I'm still blown away. How many people in our business, in the media business now, I know we kind of overlap because we are team people and media people, yeah. but how many people hear reports and then they re-speak these things, these <laughs> reported items as if they're facts, You don't know. You don't exactly know what's going on. Things are reported, and you think you know what's going on. Anyway, Garoppolo, obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously. I would think they want to trade him. I would think they want to move him. He's hurt. It's difficult. Are you going to get full value? You want to move on to Lance, or do you? Do they feel like Lance is ready right now, opening day, meaning right now? To take over their football team and lead them to a playoff run at the very least. I mean, this team is a Super Bowl caliber team. Is he there and available to do this at the level they need him to do it? Or are they willing to hang on to Jimmy Garoppolo one more year and let Lance watch, learn, maybe take over if Jimmy G fails
1: or gets hurt? I mean, it comes down to dollars and cents. I don't know financially what that would mean if they kept Jimmy, but obviously, I'm on the roster. And they got to the start of the new league year. So, obviously, they found a way to keep him there financially. So, I think they're going to fire away with Jimmy. Well, I should. hold on. Jimmy's still hurt. So, I think at that point, Trey Lance is going to get every rep in OTAs. He's going to get every rep in minicamp. I don't know when Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be ready to go. So, from that standpoint, I think Trey Lance is going to get a lot of reps. I think Trey Lance should start every preseason game get him back comfortable. And I think at that point, Trey Lance would show the 49ers that he is that guy. Mark, we saw it in a 60-minute game. It's just a 60-minute game, but we saw it. We saw the, the bumps and the warts early in that game, and he was having a hard time kind of getting over some of those. It was keeping us in the game. But then in the second half, when plays had to be made, Trey Lance made those plays. It was just his second start. When he starts again, no matter where that is in 2022, it's going to be his third start. That's it. I mean, Davis Mills had that many starts by week five of last year. So I think, and I said this going into playoffs, I thought the Niners would be better off with Trey Lance. So they got to the NFC championship game. But I think Trey Lance gives them something different that teams have to prepare for that Jimmy Garoppolo is not. And I think if you let Trey Lance work through his warts and his issues, I think at the end of it, you're going to end up with a pretty nice-looking young quarterback. Now, how confident are the 49ers in that? That's going to be the issue. So I think they will try to get back to Jimmy at some point. But in the end, they'll find out, no, Trey, we made this move for a reason. Trey Lance is our guy. We're going to go to Trey Lance, and then they're going to take off from there.
0: All right. Well, tell me this, and this is a quickie here because we're running out of time in this segment. But the New England Patriots, Johnny, Ooh. Texans don't play them for the first time in forever. You don't play the <laughs> Patriots, right? Since, what, 14? That's 14. the first time? Yep. that you're not playing them. They feel like they're in the, the uh, division, but they're clearly not. And how are they feeling after seeing all the talent acquisition around the conference? Do they feel that confident in their coaching ability? We still don't know exactly how they're going to handle the offense with no right. Josh McDaniels and the defense. Okay. Uh, you know, they can make plays, but is it enough? Is it enough for their liking? Apparently it has to be. Look, we still have the draft to go. Maybe there's some difference makers there, but how are they
1: feeling? What are they thinking right now? Well, no, no, JC Jackson. I think that's big. He goes out to the Chargers. Uh, they didn't make like last offseason, they made a ton of additions. I don't know that any of those uh, those additions you go, mm, yeah, they were they were groundbreaking. I mean, at the time it was like, Wow, they're spending a lot of money, but I don't think any of them were like, Yeah, that guy fits perfectly. So, from that perspective, I thought they were decent, I don't think they were great. I think it's a team that lost another starting offensive lineman and Shaq Mason. I think that's going to hurt them a little bit. They've lost Joe Tooney at some point. So it's, it feels like a 9-8 and eight football team, Mark. It really does. I think Mac Jones g- making strides is big. I think in year two, he'll be a little bit better. But I think he'll have to be because that division, especially Miami and Buffalo, are that much better. So I f- it feels like a 9-8 and eight football team to me. Like win one, lose one, win one, lose one. But at some point, Belichick, because of his coaching prowess, is going to steal a game that he probably shouldn't. Sort of like the game they won at Buffalo last year. Shouldn't have never won that game, but they did. But it feels like a nine and eight football team. And it feels like right now, talent wise, it's third in the division. I think Buffalo is clearly the leader. It's a matter of Miami and New England kind of battling for second. Right now, I'd put Miami ahead. That team is just way too talented at this point. And so I would go Miami at two and New England at three. Johnny, thanks for the info. Appreciate it as always.
0: You got it, Mark. Thank you. Everybody have a great weekend. All right. DJ Fessler with DP Sidhu next on George Karloftis. See what he's all about. We'll actually hear it, but it's a visual thing on the radio too. It's theater of the mind. It's all next here on Texans radio. Mark Vandermeer with you on Texans radio. Now a lot of talk about these draft prospects and why not? When you have the number three pick, you have the number 13 pick and a whole lot of other picks to think about. We get to know them and on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app, DP City has been catching up with reporters and others who are very familiar with some of the top prospects. One of them, George Karloftis. So let's get to know more about him as DP chats with DJ Fessler from SI.com.
2: DJ, welcome in. I'm excited to talk a little bit of Boilermaker football with you today.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: All right. So George Karloftis, his nickname is the Greek freak for a lot of people that don't know. He's got a really unique story about how he came from Greece and ended up in West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, Can you give us some background on on George and how he came to be the prospect that he is at Purdue today?
3: You know, obviously he was born in Greece, grew up there. Um, Unfortunately, though, uh, one of the reasons he ended up coming to the United States was uh, the passing of his father, Matthew, back in 2014. And that kind of sparked the decision of his mom, Amy, to uh, move the family back to her hometown of West Lafayette, where he ended up attending high school. In Greece, he kind of grew up. He was a multi-sport athlete. He played uh, soccer. He's a track and field athlete, had some background in water polo as well, but nothing in terms of American football. So he wasn't really exposed to that until he came to United States uh, at 13 Played football at West Lafayette High School. And uh, he had some poking and prodding from his friends, uh, encouraging him just because of his size, his athletic background to kind of give it a try. Coaches there, too, were also trying to encourage him to join the team as well. And uh, he tried it out. And uh, obviously, it's uh, worked out for the better here for him.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's an understatement, if anything. He might be the first Boilermaker taken in the top 10 of the NFL draft since, I had to look this up, since 1987, when the Steelers drafted. Rod Woodson with the number yep. 10 pick overall. Yep. He could go 10. He could go higher than uh, 10 as well. So how has Karloftis dealt with just being in the national spotlight at Purdue coming from Greece? How has he dealt with all that surrounding him?
3: Yeah, I think he's handled it great. You know, obviously uh, not t- as much experience as some other prospects in in the world of football, but um, he's come into the Purdue football program played a played defensive line in the Big Ten as a freshman. And, and if that doesn't show you that, you know, the moments aren't too big for him, then I, I don't really know what does. The comparisons were always going to be there. Predecessors, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, as having a good NFL career, he was at Purdue. And, and then when you just skip ahead to this year and you just looked at look at this draft class alone, you don't even have to go outside of the Big Ten to see a player like Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan that's sure. headlining this year's draft class. And he's being mentioned with names like that. But I think through all of this, he's kind of focused on himself. He's always been a hardworking kid. He really focuses on the team. And I I think that's what's really helped him have that success at the college level to put him in position to be as high of a draft pick as you kind of mentioned.
2: Yeah, he was one of the top freshmen in the country when he sort of burst onto the scene in 2019. He seems like he's just always around the ball. So Mm -hmm. give us a snapshot of some of the strengths of his game and how Purdue was really able to maximize his skill set in that defense.
3: Yeah, obviously the biggest thing for him is just his size and his strength. He's got great size, about 6'4", 270 pounds. And throughout the years, he's become accustomed to really handling some double-triple teams as that primary pass rushing threat on the Purdue defensive line. And that's really what he's been known for is that power power pass rusher. But in this past year especially, Purdue went through some uh, defensive coaching staff turnover, brought in some new coaches, kind of changed the philosophy of this defense into a more aggressive scheme. And because of that, I felt like the Boilermakers did a really good job of moving Karloftis around. He was playing inside at times, he's playing outside at times. Uh, different sort of techniques, Allowing him to play standing up or in a three-point stance, just really mixing up the fronts to allow him to generate pressure from different areas of the defensive line. And I think you really saw him prove himself in terms of his versatility, just showing that he was more than just that power rusher, someone who's going to kind of barrel through your chest every single snap. He's got a lot of things going for him now, and he was able to really showcase that, I think, this year.
0: There's DJ Fesler from SI.com chatting with DP Sidhu about George Karloftis. That's going to do it. Oh, by the way, you can catch more of that and all these draft prospect interviews on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. want to thank Johnny, of course, for being on the show, as always. And thank you for listening. Robert Harris, our producer, no relation to Johnny. Thank you, Robert. Have a great weekend, everyone, and go Texans!